Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. up on The Rub. I have not been able to find a trend on who's winning, you know, whether it's beginning, middle, or end. I, I have seen, you know, each of them win. I mean, so there's not, I haven't, I think more of a trend would be uncertified versus certified judges. Certain events tend to, or there's a couple of them that want to use celebrities or sponsors for an event. I see that trend as their scores being lower. And you know, it may take longer for those judges to develop their, their judging skills. I ask them pretty much the same questions that you're asking me right now. And a lot of them say, well, the reason why I did it is because my friends and family told me it was the best they've ever had. <laughs> and, you know, no disrespect to these guys having a dream, but the problem is, is that once I taste it, some of them are really so bad, I think, oh my gosh, what have their friends and family really had? We're out on the grill. We're doing the smoking. Indirect, we may set up our Weber on, on the one side coal bed and, and try and have cooking zones and, and that kind of thing, or on the gas grill, putting a foil pouch with some chips in it to create that smoke flavor. From the backyard to competition cooking, this is a show about barbecue, grilling, recipes, and more. This is The Rub. And now, from Memphis Barbecue Supply, here's Jimmy Shotwell. This is the show that's all about barbecue, grilling, and competition cooking. I'm alongside Forrest Goodman in the studios from 600 WRAC and 92.1 FM in Memphis, Tennessee, home of the world's best barbecue. Coming up, just over a year ago, we introduced you to the Steak Cook-Off Association and its plan for growth. Well, it's happening, and probably faster than many expected. We'll hear from Brett Galloway. Meanwhile, Chuck Averwater from Smackers has some advice if you think you've got a great secret recipe for sauces and rubs. And Michael McDearman is one of the busiest guys in barbecue. We'll let you know what he is up to. But let's get started with naked bacon. What? It's the next big craze. And while we definitely don't recommend cooking bacon naked, the process behind naked bacon, Jimmy, is appealing. The summer fancy food show is a big trade show in New York, and Naked Bacon is getting attention because it has no nitrates, chemicals, solutions, phosphates, or water. And after a brief 20-second appearance on the Today Show, has gotten the company dozens of calls from retailers, distributors, and brokers. Now, I got to laugh. You said Naked Bacon. It's Naked Bacon. Naked. Because you know the difference between naked and naked. What's that? Naked means wearing no clothes. Naked means you're wearing no clothes and you're up to something. <laughs> so I don't know if that goes here. But no, what this is, you know, we're in a, a, a society today. Listen to how many commercials you hear on the radio and TV about clean food. We have clean food and we don't do this because people no like GMOs. natural. Right. And that's what this is. It makes sense. It's, it's an old family recipe mm-hmm. that a guy took. He's not adding any of the stuff into it. He's just doing it as as in this case. And by having the name, I think, Naked is, is pretty catchy. Yeah. But it's just the basic straight from the hog bacon. 
not bad. I would be curious to try it and compare it to the regular bacon I get at the store. There are recipes out there where you can get pork belly and make your own pork belly from scratch, make your own bacon from scratch. We've got tons of customers who do that, and it's a little bit better of a recipe than what's maybe out there in package, mm-hmm. but it's totally different from naked bacon. I, I would love just to see it cooked up and try it once, just do like a side-by-side comparison. Mm-hmm. And I'd be curious, too, at how, because I know we're fans of wrapping things in bacon. Mm-hmm. We wrap tenderloins in bacon, jalapeno peppers, chicken, that sort of thing. How this would be the same or different compared to what you have. Like, you know, is are you still getting the same grease content that cooks off of it and that sort of thing? Are you thing? still getting that crunchiness, uh, but the savory taste? Are you still getting the saltiness? Are you getting all that, what you used to get... Right, but it's it's obviously it it captured some folks' attention because we're a society, we're a country that loves bacon, but we also are aware of our health, and uh, we have to be careful everything in moderation. So, naked bacon, catchy name, but again, as a public service announcement, we don't recommend cooking yeah, bacon. Yeah, no, 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 too much splatter. <laughs> When we say the SCA, we're talking about the Steak Cook-Off Association. It's a cooking competition that is attractive to many because it's low cost, it's simple, and to be quite honest, it's steak. Brett Galloway is founder of the SCA, and since we first introduced you to his organization a year ago, it has seen its popularity grow. No, it's been a great year. Last year we had 116 events, and this year we're going to double that. Double that? Yeah, we thought we might level out this year. Maybe, you know, I thought we'd probably do another 100, 100 events this year, 120, but, you know, it's just went nuts. And right now, I think I've got 230-some total right now. We're excited, and, um, you know, we're having a blast doing it. The teams are having fun, and I think that's the key. Teams have fun. The judges are having fun. And if we can keep that fun atmosphere and everybody having a good time with a one-day event, I think there's a lot to build on there. I, I do find it amazing since we did talk to you about it last year and it was still kind of new and growing in this region and you talked about how the popularity was there and it's just like, it seems like it doesn't matter who we talk to, team after team, there are folks bragging on the SCA because it's simple, it's inexpensive, and it's pretty competitive. Yeah, it's very competitive. It, you know, some of the guys that have jumped on board, some of the barbecue guys are great. I mean, they've really raised the bar. Some of the state, the older state guys have been around, and it's great to see everybody challenging each other. And you've even got teammates that are now going after each other, you know, <laughs> or competing against each other. So it, it's just good fun. Now, I've, I have noticed that nearly every weekend uh, in the spring calendar, there's been like three or four events, like every Saturday or Sunday. How are you handling the logistics of that? Uh, you know, that's a challenge. But we were we started preparing last year for this year, and um, you know, most of our guesses have worked out as far as staffing wise. I was training new reps, developing new people to run events. But you know, we still we have one weekend. I believe we had thirteen events. Oh. So we can't possibly accept another event on that day. But there was only nine of them four years ago when we started this. To have a weekend with 13 events that weekend is just, it's been hard to believe. This was started kind of in the Texas, Arkansas area, but now you've grown. You've got a slew of contests in Florida. Uh, you mm-hmm. just had one in Johnson City, Tennessee. I mean, on the other side of our state you had one uh and you're growing everywhere where's kind of been the the area that's been the most growth in the last year or two for you definitely been you know the memphis area arkansas and mississippi have really grown um you know danny's done a great job in that area but you know florida i think we've got 10 or 11 between florida and georgia 
just did one in South Carolina. We've got another one coming in South Carolina. So really the South and the Midwest is covered other than we haven't had one in North Dakota up there. But, um, you know, and now we're working our way up the eastern seaboard. We've had an event in New York and Pennsylvania and New Jersey, um, you know, over the D.C. area. West Virginia is picking up. But, you know, there's really the area that's not – we have 31 states at the moment. I just booked a class in Utah. Oh, wow. And it's not just in the United States. You're still rocking and rolling international, Australia and Europe. Yeah, we've got uh, – we're in 15 countries, counting the U.S. And then in Australia, we made a deal with an Australasian barbecue um, – ABA, Australasian barbecue – Australasian, that's a toughie. That's a toughie. Barbecue Alliance. <laughs> ABA, that's that. Anyway, so we're working exclusively with them over there in Australia and New Zealand. And I think we had seven or eight this year, and we believe we'll have 20 to 25 next year. Um, they're really pushing events our way, and uh, we're doing some joint ventures over there and some standalones. So that's a real exciting market. Year to date, just year to date, what's been the biggest contest so far in 2018, team number-wise? Team number-wise, we just ran it this last weekend in Edinburgh, Texas. Um, Edinburgh is south-south Texas. It's a driver five iron away from Mexico. Oh, wow. And uh, we had 109 teams compete there. Um, We ran six tables of judges. We had a 45-minute turn-in window, and we judged every stake within six, uh, 49 minutes. That's what I love about the State Cook-Off Association. You've got that behind the house. It's a lot of stuff, a lot of teams, a lot of people don't see that behind the house down to a production where teams turn in in a certain window and boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. They don't sit there. That steak gets moved directly to the table almost and judged. And that's one thing I tip my hat off to you. Your meat doesn't sit. It gets moved quick, quickly to the table. It doesn't matter whether we offer that big turn-in window, and a lot of times the new cookers are very confused by the window because barbecue is traditionally a smaller window, but you could turn in before and then after it, at least here in Texas. Um, we have a set window. You, it's gamesmanship. Decide where you think's best. You know, I've seen guys go at the front of the window win. I've seen guys in the middle, and I've seen the last guy win before. There's really not a pattern. But what it does is it spreads it out for our judges. That way we can judge them hot and fresh. You know, with those six tables, as one came in, I, I served as a cutter at this event. Um, and we had a runner, and the runner would bring the steaks as quick as I could cut them. I had another person take them, alternate them through the tables. And I never had steaks sit. I never had to stop cutting. It went that fast. We talk about that flexibility that you have i mean you've you've got that wide window and you talked about i've always wondered with the judges is there like a fatigue factor you've gone through all these stakes and you're at the end of that 30 minute window if that would affect you or if you're the first person turned in and that flavor profile just hits the judges too hard if that's a factor but you're saying it's really you've not seen any kind of trends it's just all over the place yeah i don't i have not been able to find a trend on who's winning you know whether it's beginning middle or end I have seen, you know, each of them win. I mean, so there's not, I haven't, I think more of a trend would be uncertified versus certified judges. Certain events tend to, or there's a couple of them that want to use celebrities or sponsors for an event. I see that trend as their scores being lower. And, you know, it may take longer for those judges to develop their, their judging skills because they haven't judged it before. But the, the ones we had, they've judged in the past at our event. So these, even though they're not certified, 
um, like one of them we had this weekend, the people that judged it have already judged an SCA event in that town before. So um, I don't know that that's really a factor, but it is. you do see a little bit lower scores with uncertified. So we're kind of at the midpoint. I mean, we've got the World Championship State Cookoff coming up in October 4th through the 7th at Fort Worth, Texas, the Panther Island Pavilion. But we're kind of at the midway point for the teams. How's the point race looking? How's everything kind of shaping up so far? Um, you know, first place this year is almost double what it was last year at this time. And that's just purely the number of events. Guys are hitting some more events. And you've got some guys that are killing it. I think there's five or six states represented in the top ten. And I know last points. the last week in the points and whatnot, you had a couple of ladies also in the top ten. Actually, I think uh, Rapulio was one of them who we interviewed earlier this year. Shauna, she's a you know we always give out our female cook of the year award at the championship, and I I discussed it with Ken. Do we need to do that? I mean, she, I don't think we do. It doesn't matter your male male or female. She's one of the best cooks. Period. So it's almost insulting to give that out. There's two women in the top ten. Yeah. And you got Carrie Green up there, one three points behind her husband. It's really been interesting watching couples, you know, you see them cooking and they're competing against each other. They're using different recipes. Just had another one, Casey Jones. He competes with his wife and his wife won an event this weekend. I think she's won two out of the last her last two events. And so, that, so that means she's got a ticket, though, to go to the World Championship. Oh, yes, she does. Does That's he correct. have a ticket yet? Uh, Casey, yes. He's actually qualified as well. Because that would always be interesting if if, if one of the partner had one who <laughs> did not. Yeah, it didn't matter if it was male or female who, who had one who did not. I've always wondered yeah. about the couple's cooking or the partner's cooking, uh, if somebody got one or not. I know we had locally Kendall Adair uh, was at one point the points leader, and has this come back and forth? Johnny Joseph has gotten back up there in the top ten uh, this year. Does it affect um, guys how many times they're cooking throughout the year and maybe not placing in the top 10? Are they still, if they're just grinding out doing those events, does that help them out, or does just placing the top 10 really push that over the top for them? Well, even if you, you – everyone will receive one point for attending the event. Even if you don't hit a top 10, you'll still gain one point, and one point was the difference in oh, – I think it was four guys making the championship last year. Oh, wow. They had that one extra point. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It would have been into the championship. Had they just gone, showed up and cooked a, a yeah. burnt steak. Just burnt steak at a contest. Yeah. Burnt steak would have got you in. You know, they would have made it on points. But I think Kendall's in sixth place right now. One, two. Three. Yeah, he's in sixth place. Chuck Edwards has moved up. He's, uh, he's a veterinarian out of Louisiana. And uh, very, very consistent. So how many people are you expecting come October to show up to Fort Worth? How many teams are you expecting? Um, well, we invite the winner of every SCA event is it receives an invitation. And then the next 10 that are not qualified here in the U.S. or that are not, that doesn't sound right, <laughs> the next 10 that have not qualified with a golden ticket, 
you know, these are guys that are consistent. Johnny Joseph is an example. He's in fourth place overall in points. He just, he's got like three or four second place this year. But um, if for some reason he doesn't end up winning one, he'll be the next 10 in on points. Okay, I see. So, so it's kind of like an at-large. So you've got the you got Correct. the you got the, everybody who won an event or the pass down, and mm-hmm. then you've got the next ten who are the highest in points, but haven't had yep. that chance to win that contest. That's correct. So we'll, that gives us ten more in the United States, uh, Europe, and Australia. They also have points chases, and since they haven't been around as long, and we don't have as many events there, we're, we are going to do uh, the next five over there. And I've talked to some of these guys and. I think our next event will be the last event in Australia before the championship because we want to give them a little extra time to make their travel plans. Um, anyway, this I think it'll be our largest Australian event because all these guys are right on the bubble just trying to get in. Now, I know, and we'll get with you in September to talk about more details about the World Stake uh, Championship, uh, but kind of in general right now, everything's working good, layout, setting everything up for that. What else is on your horizon for the rest of the summer? Is there any other big events coming up? Uh, yeah, man, we've got a bunch of them. I mean, there's, there's a weekend, every weekend there's multiple events, but we've got, you know, there's one coming up in Minneapolis, St. Paul, that is going to be a $5,000 first place payout. Whoa! Um, it's a thousand dollar appetizer payout, five thousand on stake. Wow! So, is is this yeah. the uh, Lacroix uh, contest? Oh yeah, yeah. Force. Yeah, this is a contest. Correct. It's a husband wife couple. They own a uh, seasoning company, um, and then on top of that, they're doing it in like downtown uh, up there in that area, and it's a beautiful setting. But it's mm-hmm. like August the fourth. Is that my birthday weekend? I was seriously debating about going up yeah, there. Yeah. Then I saw the mileage from yeah. Memphis up there. I was like, <laughs> well, yeah. A lot of gas. A lot of gas. There's a lot of guys going. You could probably jump in somebody. And since our rule is uh, more than one person can utilize a grill now, you can jump in with them, ride with them, and cook on the same, same how, grill. How has that rule gone this year so far, letting people use the same grill? Has that been beneficial to you guys? It has. You're seeing where it's beneficial really is when you're at an event that's connected with another organization's barbecue and you got teammates that want to jump in. In the past, they haven't been able to jump in. And now they'll say, well, boom, I can jump in. And you get two guys will compete. One will try to turn into the beginning of the window, the other guy at the end. You know, it's another reason that 30-minute window usually helps. And uh, we've seen one guy win. Actually, I was at the event in Pennsylvania, uh, Greencastle, Pennsylvania. Um, this OBR gentleman, oh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but um, he won that event, and they both cooked on the same grill. It was a last-minute entry. He said, hey, I'm going to pay for my buddy to get in, and Mitch, Mitch Stain was his name. So Mitch won it. I bet that can create some interesting rivalries. That's like fishing with your buddy, and you catching all yeah. the fish out of the same hole, and he catches none. Well, if you win it on his grill, <laughs> and he didn't, whoo. I, the other guy was happy for him, but uh, I can see there may be a little bit of a mm-hmm. animosity at some point with somebody on it. But it also loves, allows husband and wives to compete if they don't. I mean, we've got people, Peggy Grimes used to compete out of her car. She, she drove a Camaro convertible, would strap her baby egg, the mini egg, to her front passenger seat. The cutting table would be in her back, back uh, seat and her supplies in her trunk. I mean, there's people that compete on out of cars. Even you uh, don't need the uh, trailer. Uh, did see Vic, the the, the cooking comedian, use yeah. a charcoal chimney, one single panel of grill grates, and he placed the top thirteen at his event that he was doing. 
I've seen a fifth place cooked that way. And that Mason, he was telling me, or he was saying that everybody thought it was a joke that he was going to do yeah. it. He's like, no, I'm going to do it. And he knocked it out. I mean, looking at the video that someone shot of him. Uh, <laughs> I was, can see where that could work. Because you work. can get the heat from the chimney for sure. You're, you're going to be hot. You're going to yeah. be 500 plus degrees. Exactly. Uh, you can kind of regulate the area that it's going to be sitting on. Uh, so you just rotate, move it around. I mean, you are limited on space. So you got to watch where you got to flip at and do right. the, the, sure. the marks and everything. But in general, I mean, it, it fits all the criteria that yeah. you're looking for. Yeah, the heat's going to be higher when it's in the chimney than when you dump it into a grill. So, yeah, yeah it makes sense to me. We've had guys cook on top of a shovel. They'll dig a hole in the ground, build a fire, and cook on top of a shovel. And I didn't ask him if they used a fresh shovel, but I heard he got a fifth <laughs> place in Amsterdam with it. Oh, boy. I don't know if I want something yeah, off a shovel. I don't know about that. I, I don't know. Because we've heard you don't need grill grace. We've seen folks cook with a cast iron skillet. Uh, I saw Mark Lambert two years ago at an MBBQA event, uh, him uh-huh. using a cast iron skillet. Now, I did beat him there because uh, I was using grill yeah. grates. But he talked about before how he's done very well with a cast iron skillet and just putting a nice crust on the steak. Mm-hmm. So you, we've, I've heard it said in judging classes. It doesn't need to have grill marks. It's just that overall appearance, that look of it is what you're looking for. You eat with your eyes, and a steak cooked in a cast iron skillet can just be just as beautiful as a steak with grill marks on it. I, I have grill marks, or grill marks. I have grill grates on every, I've got them on my pellet cookers, I've got them on my Weber's, my PK's, my, um, my Rectech. Everything I use, I use grill grates on, but... You can cook one in a cast iron skillet that looks just as pretty and yeah. can score just as high. And as a matter of fact, the guy that won two years ago, or I think it was two years ago, it was in Fort Worth. Yeah, two years ago at MBBQA, he had he cooked in a cast iron skillet. We've seen a lot of stuff on social media here lately about other organizations that are. That I guess you need to like pat yourself on the back how well you're growing because you've almost made yourself a target where other organizations are now starting to focus more on that grilling aspect instead of the barbecue aspect. What's your thoughts on that so far? Well, there's always going to be competition out there, and that's probably good for everyone. The more people cooking steaks, the better. You know, you're going to, you may do one of those events, and there's possibly not an end reward like there is at ours. We're going to offer an invitation to the SCA World Championship. You could win $10,000, a ring. We also have invitations to World Food Championships. So, you know, we feel at the end of our events, there's a little more to offer, you know, down the line for the teams. And we're not worried about the others. We just worry about us. And if we do our job right, then I think we'll still be supported the same way. And that's one thing we did not touch on, the World Food Championships. You've got a a, a new relationship with those guys this year you went last year uh, and observed and talked to them saw what was happening what's going on this year with the world food championships in the state category uh, we're running the state category this year we had last year they had 34 teams and a lot of them were our, actually sca teams that qualified through our events but we talked with mike and mike worked it out to where we're going to run the first two rounds of the state category so we'll do them thursday and friday we'll have up to 60 teams each day and day one will produce the top five will move into the, the arena kitchen, and day two will advance five. So once we present him with our top ten, they will compete there in the arena kitchen under eat food methodology rules. So, so instead of having 34 teams like they had last year, now you're going to be up, up to 120 state teams over two days. Yeah. And we've already got over 100 that are qualified. There's already over 50 that have signed up for it. Um, we're not pushing them yet. 
Um, but as things get closer, we, we tell them it is a first-come, first-serve, and guys are uh, getting motivated pretty quick as they start filling up here. Learn more at SteakCookoffs.com and listen to our show to find out about SCA events, which are happening in and around Memphis. Oh, and by the way, you heard him talk about cooking a steak in competition on a chimney. Well, we'll ask Vic Clevenger about that next week on the show and find out, did he really do it? Coming up, Chuck Averwater is with Smackers Barbecue and is a certified judge, and he knows a thing or two about the business. Should you try to put your homemade Rob a recipe on the market? Not so fast, we're told. The only show with the MBBQA's Award of Excellence. This is The Rub on 600 WRC and 92.1 FM. is the rub you can download the show for free each week on itunes google play and the iheart radio app i'm jimmy shotwell and i'm forrest goodman you may be familiar with the name smackers from the world of barbecue and i'm gonna admit i'm a fan of their rub especially on ribs but getting to where chuck averwater is today was a road where he learned the business before jumping into it well, actually, uh, I had uh, been in the restaurant business and I've always enjoyed cooking like everybody else does. And uh, so coming from a restaurant background, I uh, had uh, a lot of people tell me, just like everybody else does, man, that's great. You ought to bottle it. And I was selling it out of the restaurant business. And then some years later, when I got out of that, I still had people asking me about it. So I finally decided in 2005 that I would bottle it. And uh, all I had at the time was just our Smackers barbecue seasoning. And uh, so I was doing it part-time in 2005. And so now I've been in it 13 years. I think it was four or five years later, around 2009 or 10. Uh, we came out with our Smack Me Mild sauce and our Smack Me Hard hot sauce. And um, so um, since then, things have just grown. We started with one store like everybody else, and uh, you just have to stay with it. It's one of these things that once you decide you're going to go into this business, you have to stick with it. You have to either be full-time or really not do it at all, because if you're part-time, you're not going to ever make any money in it. Well, I, I do know this. You've got a great product out there because you've won, I'm not going to say a few awards, you've won over 60 awards, be it the SCOVI, the MBBQA, the Awards of Excellence, or you've won quite a bit of few awards. What's been the secret to your success there, not just in winning the awards, but, but people liking your rub? Was it a specific flavor? What were you looking for there? Well, actually, you know, and that's a great question. Uh, I'm very humbled by those because I never thought it would, I would be that guy that uh, I always thought that would be somebody else. And so, uh, like I said, coming from a restaurant background and then um, uh, being a, uh, a veteran barbecue judge, now I'm actually certified to judge in five different food networks, not just barbecue alone, but um you learn what really is going to taste good, and you it does require uh, an acute sense of taste and even aroma. You have to have uh, complementary flavors that kind of 
uh, go together instead of things that clash. And I know a lot of people that they're trying to make their own rub or their own sauce or putting all kinds of different ingredients in it. And it doesn't make any difference if you have six ingredients or 26 ingredients in it. Whatever you put in it, just make sure that they complement each other and they're balanced. And if they're not balanced, take it out, adjust the numbers of them until it is balanced. And so I just have to say that, you know, balance of really great flavors is what really will do it for you. With your background in the restaurant industry, I don't have to tell you about how competitive it is. You know, but I look at the industry you're in now, and that is with rubs and sauces. I mean, there just go to Jimmy's store. There are so many on the shelf. Each one fits a different flavor profile. It has to keep you on your toes, I would imagine. Uh, yes, that's exactly right. It does. And uh, there are a lot of them out there in I have been, you know, um, I've been watching it in the roughly 26 years I've been judging food contests. I have seen a lot of good products come and go. I've seen a lot more that weren't so good that have, have come and gone. And there are some different profiles. There are some that just are absolutely a train wreck. And What's interesting to me is is uh, I'll have a lot of those guys say, hey, man, I want to send you this and taste this for me and tell me what you think about it. And, and uh, you know, I ask them pretty much the same questions. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're asking me right now, and a lot of them say, well, the reason why I did it is because my friends and family told me it was the best they've ever had. And, you know, no disrespect to these guys having a dream, but the problem is, is once I taste it, some of them are really so bad, I think, oh, my gosh, what have their friends and family really had? <laughs> and so, I'm, you know, it makes you wonder, and I just, you know, I get back with them, and I say, you know, um, you really need to work on this. Uh, here's what you need to do to it, and take this out, add a little bit more of this and that, and then get back with me and then send it to me again, and we'll take a level look at it for you. You know, I don't charge anybody anything to do that. It's just one of those things you try to do to help people out, and a lot of people still have that dream and, you know, wanting to have their their own name on a label and be on a store shelf so they can be like everybody else. And this is really not a good way to get attention. It's a very expensive way. And I try to tell people up front, y'all, that to develop one product, let's say you've got one seasoning, your development costs are going to cost you somewhere between five and $10,000. And that's per label. And so if you're like me and you get two sauces, you know, you'd be looking at somewhere between fifteen and $30,000. And a lot of guys go, well, what's What's there to this? You know, I don't, I don't understand why it would be so much. You know, just make up some sauce in your kitchen or some rub, and you know, uh, wash a bottle, wash a label off of an old bottle or something, and put a new label on my computer, and and you know, put on Facebook, right, yeah. hey, coming to a store near you soon. And it's, there's a lot more to it than that. And uh, once they start getting their business licenses and barcodes and 
uh, printing labels, and you know, you really do need to win some awards, and you can't just put award winning on the label um, because somebody like me is going to come along and say, "Hey, that's great! You know what kind of awards did you win?" Uh, well, I won the Grandma Award. Grandma said it was award winning, <laughs> so that's what I put on there. And so, I, I always get humored by guys that do that, and. I, I try to tell them, and the same thing happened to me. We're all going to take pretty much the same steps to getting into this business. And uh, if you're not ready to give up your full-time job and uh, really work, and, you know, in the beginning you're not going to be able to pay yourself any money. It's just it's never going to substitute be a substitute for income uh, until you're full-time in it. You better be prepared to sink quite a bit of money and time uh, if you really want to get into it. So uh, there's there's always that big problem is, is the money. And, in fact, I have gone through this with a number of guys that had some pretty good products. And uh, once I talked to them about it, and they, they talked to their wives about it, they said, tell you what, I think Chuck's right. Why don't we just print this uh, some labels <laughs> up and use this for your business card instead of trying to sell it retail. And that way you can skip the barcodes and you can just say, you know, private label, uh, Forrest Goodman's private reserve, uh, and you just give it away to people. It's a lot better. It's a lot cheaper to do it that way. Than <laughs> do it, it is as a, really, do it as a hobby, good. right? As more like a yeah. hobby. Yeah. And, and a feel good. That's right. That's right. And then, you know, your friends still think you're wonderful. It just doesn't cost you as much money to get that uh, compliment. Follow Chuck Averwater on Twitter. Just search Smackers BBQ. Coming up, we've gotten to know Michael McDearman through the World Food Championship and the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. So what is he up to today? This is The Rob on 600 WRC and 92.1 FM. This is The Rub. I'm Jimmy Shotwell, and we invite you to follow the show on Twitter. Just search for At The Rub Podcast. And we're also on Facebook. Just search The Rub Podcast. And remember, if you're cooking this weekend, take a picture, send it to us. We'd love to see what's for dinner. Michael McDermott was a guest with us on the show in Season 1, like when the Sam's Club Barbecue Tour came to town, or before Jimmy competed in the World Food Championship. And that just scratches the surface of everything he's up to. Oh, good gravy. Um, everything, you know, they, the media calls me the busiest man in barbecue and I don't, I don't think I live up to that title. I know others that really deserve it, but it's fun to be as busy as I am in, in something you love so much. We have, um, we have been looking at, well, the final table for world food championships. I was the MC, um, and I'll be darned if steak didn't come out on top. And we and, were, uh, we were definitely happy about that because Lisa was from Memphis and we had two shots on that final table, you had Lisa Guatney uh, from Memphis, and you had Elbow uh, was there, uh, both from oh, Memphis. Oh, Tommy Shive, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and, and Elbow, you know, with the burgers, I mean, he just makes you want to roll up your sleeves and have it dripping <laughs> down. I mean, it's, it's, it looks so great. And Lisa took it just to an, a level of elegance. And, you know, in food sport, there are champions who win, and there are champions of people, and and she is absolutely just a blessing. She went through and and spoke about every single competitor in her acceptance speech, and and just 
and she's she's truly a champion. Now, we were following you guys uh, via the internet, watching the live feeds online uh, of the final table. That facility, first off in Bentonville area, looked outstanding. How was it in first person being there? How was that layout and set up this year? It is absolutely world class. It's actually set up in an old Campbell soup factory. And uh, there are some folks that are involved with ownership of Walmart in the early stages that were kind enough to um, donate and created this place, and it's got its own greenhouse. I mean, it's a culinary school exploring true creativity in food, Um, not just teaching techniques, but enhancing the artistic side. And uh, it it was a privilege to be there. Just fantastic facility. I I do sit here and shake my head in amazement at how competition cooking, sport cooking, has just taken off the interest that is there, and you just described it and all the interest that your event had. Does it amaze you that something, I mean, something we do every day is eat, but how people are interested in those who want to get out there and cook competitively? I always go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Food, water, shelter. Why do we say food first? Because we love it more. You got that. And and we're we're very passionate about it. It's it's We've come a, a long way. Let's take barbecue, for example. You know, barbecue, we, in competition barbecue, you used to just go to the store, buy a select brisket or a choice brisket, and, and go cook in that category. Um, but now we're, we're bringing in A9 Kobe imported uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, taking it just to the maximum level we can. And I think all of our palates uh, across the board have, have grown in recent years. And you've kind of grown, too. You've now got something called the Food Sport Report. Uh, tell us about that. Tell us about uh, your reporting on all the, everything that's going on in the food sport. You know, Food Sport Report, it's the cutting edge of competition food. There was not a, a center hub because, you know, if you had to learn about chili cook-offs, you had to go to the CS or some uh, sanctioning body and try and learn. So I'm trying to bring everything together and keep people uh, their perspective on food sport and, and be able to share with them the love we all have and, and how to get involved, but on all levels, too. It's going to be cooking videos for the home cook so that they can enhance and cook like a world champ. Uh, but then also, too, it'll be interviews about the people because we may hear about the grand championships that they win or we may see that, that they've got medals around their neck, but we don't necessarily get to know the person. And it's funny how once you get to know the people, it's like, that's me. That's, I know that guy. I, that's who I see in the mirror. And, and then you want to go do it yourself, and, and it personalizes it. So we have gone through some, some fun uh, technology uh, growth, and we're doing some newscast-style um, posts. We're found on YouTube, and, and then we uh, also post on Facebook for Food Sport Report. And then we're going to be doing the interviews, um, and we're going to the events and doing some um, live interviews there, and it's just going to be fun. Yeah, I saw you were down at Memphis May. Of course, we were there down there cooking and having a great time, but it looked like you had shown up on Saturday, and uh, you were hanging out with Heath Riles and some other teams down there. Uh, how was your experience at Memphis May this year? I just got chicken skin. I just got goosebumps. Um <laughs> You know, when you say Heath Riles, that old experience, I mean, Heath is such a welcoming and, and great champion, too. He's he's performed excellent over the 10 or so years he's been in Memphis in May. And, and to witness all these pitmasters coming in, I mean, we had Tom Houston, you had Jim Berg, Barbecue Bob from Barbecue Guru, 
um, you know, all these folks were in that camp and, and just pitching in. What can I do? Wash your dishes, you know. But it's a wonderful spirit because it's exactly what food sport's about. To be back in Memphis in May, just to give you a quick little insight into the beginning of, of my barbecue story, granted it started at seven years old, but in college I really hadn't realized that I loved it so much. Me and a buddy, we are broke in college, and we decide, oh, Memphis and May's going on. we got to go down there. I love blues music, and, and we wind up going down. Enough gas money in the glove box so that we could get back home, and we wound up going down to the festival on a Friday night. Ran into somebody we know that we could crash on a couch and, and um, wind up coming down Saturday morning, and we were dead broke by that point. We only had enough you know, for, to buy the barbecue that we ate, and we had just like, enough for a meal and, and maybe just a little more. What well, winds up, we sat down for the meal and we saw some folks come in from the uh, Tunica, which is a gambling town south of Memphis. Wind up going upstairs and I noticed a sign that says, pool. Well, I've been known to shoot with a broomstick before. <laughs> we wound up going up there, winning enough money to, to stay the whole weekend in a hotel, food and everything, and uh, just enjoying the barbecue festival. So Memphis and May is a special spot for me. And, uh, early on in my barbecue story. Well, I'm glad you've got connections because Memphis May has always been okay. We're here in Memphis, but we also all have our stories, uh, be it something like similar to that or somehow some connection that we have with Memphis May Barbecue Fest. Um, so you used to run be the on the on the Johnny on the spot person uh, that everybody knew from the National Pro Barbecue Tour uh, that was presented by Sam's Club. Unfortunately, that kind of ended. Uh, what was your experiences? I mean, I mean, you did that for years. You were out there doing that. What was your experiences touring? And doing that, being on the road is a is a wonderful thing. But uh, I, I think eight years I, I put in my mileage. I've seen the largest ball of twine a few times. <laughs> um, with with the tour itself, it was that family reunion every weekend. I was pulling off thirty one events in thirty two weeks, um, and and we were we were high octane as far as barbecue contests go, pulling them off each week and trying to be as consistent and as fair as possible. To all 750 teams that were uh, participating in the tournament. A fantastic experience representing those corporate sponsors and seeing the, um, the buy-in from the world on barbecue. At different times, we had teams from, uh, from out of the country, not just Canada, but uh, Japan and New Zealand register. And we've seen continued growth internationally in food sport as well as, as barbecue. Um, I'm it was an honor, and um, I'm looking forward to doing other contests. We actually will be announcing soon. I'll go ahead and give you the, the scoop. Uh, we'll be announcing in February a Montgomery, Alabama contest. The city of Montgomery has approached me, and, and we're going to bring that contest back to life and do it first class. It's going to have Southern hospitality written all over it. We're going to be in the downtown area. They've got their own riverboat, the, the minor league ballparks down there, and it's just going to be a, a setting for the family as well as for food. Uh, one other thing that popped up recently, and, and we're going to talk about here in the next couple of weeks, is the National Grilling Society that KCBS has kind of kicked off. It's interesting how State Cook-Off Association kind of grew, and then everybody else has started to look at that. I saw that Recently, there's another association that's about grilling that's popped up. What do you equate to all these barbecue, non-barbecue kind of grilling and cooking events popping up? Is it just a love of cooking, TV, just all of the above? You know, I think um, if you look at the numbers, 
and uh, I go off of HPBA, which is one of the alphabet soup groups in the industry. They actually say that uh, 87% of the people who own smokers or grills own grills. So So you step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Just use that number alone, and that's the backyarder. That's America. We're out on the grills. We're doing smoking indirect. We may set up our Weber on, on the one side coal bed and and try and have cooking zones and, and that kind of thing, or on the gas grill, putting a foil pouch with some chips in it to create that smoke flavor. But for the vast majority, it's grilling. And I think that the backyarder has seen competition barbecue sort of on a pedestal. And it is. It, it's, it's a wonderful level that we've taken it to. But it's also a little intimidating for a lot of folks in the backyard. And I think there's going to be explosive growth from people bringing – Frankly, I don't care if they're cooking on a George Foreman or coming all up with a multi-thousand-dollar grill. I just want to see more people out there and enjoying it because it's such a wonderful sport. That's Michael McDermott, and I am certain we will talk to him again ahead of the World Food Championship coming up this November. But coming up next on this show, our question of the week, what's going on, and recipe of the week. This is The Rub on 600 WRAC and 92.1 FM. This is The Rub. We're back, and thanks for listening to the show. Alongside Forrest Goodman, I'm Jimmy Shotwell. Our question of the week comes from Twitter. Avery writes, Jimmy, I smoke wings, but before the meat gets done, I burn the outside. What am I doing wrong? Probably you're cooking it direct instead of cooking it indirect. If you're cooking it direct, especially a chicken wing, you've got that skin, the fat that's acting as a layer of protection to that meat, and you're probably burning that skin up uh, before that meat gets done. So what I like to do, go ahead and cook your wings indirect. And when temperature-wise, when you start looking at thermometer, you get close to temperature where you need to be, Go ahead and roll them then on top of the hot fire. Crisp them up a little bit if you want to toss them in the sauce. This is the time to toss them in the sauce. But throw it on the hot fire, crisp them up a little bit, pull them off, and you're good to go. Avery, don't feel bad. I learned the hard way that too. And I, I can't tell you how much stuff I now cook on my regular backyard grill outside of red meat that I'm doing indirect. And chicken wings are at the top of the list because Jimmy's advice is good because I learned the hard way. I had some beautiful wings. I bring them inside. They're sauced up. They're ready to go, and you bite into it. And it was undercooked chicken. And believe me, I'm with you, my friend. There's nothing good about that. Send us your question on Twitter at The Rub Podcast. All right, Jimmy, it has been hot. I think it's going to stay hot, but we're getting close to seeing the return of some barbecue competitions in the area. Yeah, we're about to break loose, I think, and finally get some barbecue contests. July 20th and 21st, two different barbecue contests in great areas. One, just north of us in Dyersburg, Tennessee. They've got a KCBS contest, and that's going to be a great one. It's right up there in their fairgrounds. It's a wonderful setup. It's going to be hot. But there's tons of things for you to do besides barbecue up there. So that'd be a great contest to go to. Second one is a little bit of road trip. You're talking about going almost all the way to the other side of the state and up a little bit into Virginia, the Galax, Virginia. 
but it's a Memphis Barbecue Network contest. Oh, cool. So you you would think up there would be like a KCBS contest or something. No, it's an NBN contest. And that's next weekend. It's next weekend. Yeah. It's up in the mountains of Virginia. And I tell you what, you get up to Galax, you do that contest, you're 10 to 15 degrees cooler just being in that little valley where where Galax is. So it's not 99 degrees and 100% humidity like it is here. And you get to smell barbecue while being cooler. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like October. I'm ready. Let's go. It's kind of like October. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's a great contest. Now, it is a road trip. You do have quite a few teams around this area who will take that trip every year because one of the awards they give out, instead of just giving out a plaque or trophy, Think about fiddles, like real handmade no fiddles. That's pretty neat. And the fiddles are worth quite a bit of money. In fact, there's a pawn shop downtown Galax where some teams in the past have taken their fiddles and pawned their fiddles, and you'll see a couple sitting in the window. Wow. But majority of the teams who really know what it's about, they keep that fiddle and take it home because you want one of those. You can't do it this year. You need to do that one next year. We'll do it. We'll take the show up there. You can cook. I think one of those fiddles would look good in the store. Okay, so that is being recorded right now. I have it on record. We are going. Okay. All right. You convinced the powers that be. Because oh. your powers would be a little stronger than mine, I think. But uh, And we're there. That'll be, yeah, that'll that, be kind of That would be. Hey, we're spreading the iHeartMedia love there all over go. the state. Absolutely. And before we say goodbye, we're always cooking something good. What is our recipe of the week? Well, the wife and family made a mistake of leaving me home alone for the 4th of July week. And I hope I hope folks that listen to the show followed you on Twitter to see all that you were cooking. Every night, Jimmy was <laughs> acting like it was, oh, so hard. I'm all by myself, so I cooked myself <laughs> this. My good grief. Yeah, the last night, yeah, provisions are running low. We were out of Caesar salad. Oh, my I, goodness. I, I, I felt like that was in the world. Hard but, times to go with all that other good stuff that you cooked. But it was really... it was. I had no no kids running around. I didn't have. I had to have dinner done at a certain times. So I had a chance to play a little bit, um, and I went through Kroger and just looked what's some new and different things we haven't cooked before, haven't played with. Turkey tenderloins. Okay, dude. I, I'm like walking through, looking through the meat cabinet uh, at the Kroger and seeing what options there are to grill up. And there's the usual steak, frozen shrimp, salmon. I mean, just the usual stuff. But this turkey tenderloins, I'm like that sounds pretty good it was cheap 6.99 for a package that had two tenderloins in there and they were good five six inches long two inches in girth so a good amount of meat on there and so i started looking at it start googling it and you can smoke them like i'm worried they're gonna maybe dry out they already were in a kind of a brine solution in the packaging mm-hmm. already so that kind of took my fear away from them drying out so i pulled them out of the package a light dusting of a basic all-purpose rub. The Greasy Creek Highway 310 from Jimmy P. Mm-hmm. Just a light dusting of that. Threw it on indirect grill with a little bit of apple on there. 275 degrees for about two and a half hours. Okay. Indirect heat. Indirect heat. Man, these things turned out wonderful. And you slice it kind of like a London brawl. You slice it in little slices. You don't just take a big chunk off of it. Moist, tender. It was great. But you know what I did with it that was totally different? About three nights later, I had some leftovers. Instead of doing, we've talked about chicken cheese bread on the show. Yeah, yeah. I did turkey cheese bread. I, I, I remember seeing that picture, too. <laughs> it was good? It was good. Had some leftovers. And, of course, the wife, when she got home with the kids, she had to try it. And she gave her thumbs up. Okay, compare it for me, yeah. personally, but just for those listening, because I do like smoke. I'm not a huge turkey fan, but I do like smoked turkey breast. How is it? How is a smoked tenderloin to a turkey breast? Almost not, I mean, it's, it's almost the same thing. Flavor profile, texture-wise, it seemed like it was the same thing. It was just a smaller cut. You didn't have that massive 
turkey breast to deal with. You just okay. have that small just piece Just the tenderloin, of yeah. Okay. So for like your family, you've got family of three. Mm-hmm. One package like that, I think, could easily feed your family, plus have plenty of leftovers to make a salad the next day with... I know, I just said a salad. But make a salad the next day yeah, with... Yeah, but we're putting meat on it, so... <laughs> but you, it's something that you can have enough to do a couple meals out of. And like I said, it was cheap. It was like six ninety nine for that package of two. Uh, I'm definitely... It's on my radar, actually, for tailgating this year for football season. It's on my radar to do something with that for football on Friday night. Simple, easy. You can almost slice it and put it on a biscuit or a bun or something like that to to eat off of. And had Brian already in his own solution, it was kind of like a rotisserie solution. Mm-hmm. Reading the ingredients, it didn't add much flavor. It had the salt content to add the moisture to the meat. So it didn't dry. But it didn't dry it out. So that was the key thing I thought was looking at that packaging. So it was Honeysuckle White was the company who made yeah, it. Yeah, I've seen Oh, I've seen that, yeah. And, and I rarely have seen that, except in the first frozen food section this i've, I've the had the honeysuckle white ground turkey before yeah. that's kind of like hamburger meat I'm, eh. I'm a big fan of ground chicken now the what? ground that oh you can if you season it right i have cooked i have made ground chicken patties now you got to have a binder in there to keep it together yeah. and i've cooked those on the grill before and and they're not bad i've made nuggets out of it but where i really like it and where it's easiest is if you're just making a pot of spaghetti inside and you use that, you season it, and you put it in there, and most people won't even know that it replaced the ground beef. No, I'll tell you, my, how much we cook and how much, especially competition, like I've got a brisket class coming up here soon at the store. <laughs> I need to be there for that. All the trimmings from the brisket mm-hmm. get ground up. Mm-hmm. Uh, very smart, yeah. That is what it goes in spaghetti. Yeah. Forget chicken, forget turkey. But no, my wife has done turkey spaghetti before. She surprised yeah. me with, here's some bold turkey spaghetti. I can tell a difference. Yeah. I, I can tell a difference. It's not this. The texture is a little different. The flavor oh, profile is a little different. You can tell a difference with this, but if you're trying to to cut down a little bit yes. on the fat and yeah. you don't want to eat as much ground beef, it with ground chicken. I'm not as big a fan of ground turkey, but for ground chicken, you can put it. At, you can do ground chicken chili, and it's mu- to me much better than turkey chili. And I know people are a fan of turkey chili. It's much better than turkey yeah, actually, chili. Uh, for chilies and for that kind of stuff, I'm usually going to go. Hey, you need to do beef, but well, yeah, my wife is telling me that mm-hmm. I need to be a little bit healthier. Uh, I've got a doctor's appointment coming up here in October, which, yeah. uh, Dr. Allen, I know you're listening. I'm I'm, I'm still doing good <laughs> with the pills. But no, I'm so I need to eat a little bit healthier is a yeah. point of what I'm saying. So that may be doing, because I don't like the turkey No, fill gra- in. ground chicken is much better than ground turkey. My, oh. Again, my opinion, and there may be people out there listening that feel different. And, and there are things, again, and the reason it's good in spaghetti and, and, and chili is because of the seasoning. Yeah. You've got the seasoning that's in there that still gives you that, as you we talk a lot about, pl- fl- uh, flavor profiles. Mm-hmm. And, and it still gives you that. Uh, its texture, I think, is better um, to the palate than what ground turkey is. But sometimes you have to get creative because, I mean, like you, I mean, I'm told you can't eat red meat all the time. Yeah. Now, I am a traditionalist. When I do chili, I do a big, 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 big pot of chili, that mm-hmm. first cold snap, and and it's it's going to be ground beef. It's going to have uh, some leftover steak in it. It's going to have, mm-hmm. uh, if there was any brisket or anything like that, I have put before some barbecue in my chili. What? And oh yeah. Yeah, just to have that in there. That's good. Yeah. Some just huh. some just some barbecue meat. Uh put it with a little bit of sauce, let it kind of soak and simmer up and then put it in the pot. That's pretty good too. I know. See all the things we got to talk about as the year goes on. I know. I mean, we we this started about me grilling out smoking some turkey tenderloins and it's gone from that to ground chicken to now all well, this. But this is this is a great thing about food. Yeah. I tell folks this, you never want to have like if I could have it in my life, I would never have a business meeting 
in a conference table looking at somebody. Mm-hmm. It would always be at a restaurant or at home or somewhere over a table with food. Your comfort, yeah. Your it's comfort zone is there. Yep. People have things connect with you. You think you've got someone across from you, maybe a different religion or a different uh, race or whatever from you, but when you've got food sitting there, there's some connection that y'all have with each other. Some, some you, you may both love hot, spicy things or dislike, mm-hmm. but there's some kind of connection you're going to have with that food there that's going to create that opening that's going to help build those bridges. Well, and people who make, you know, they call them Franken foods for Frankenstein when you start mixing foods mm-hmm. together. But, you know, if people hadn't tried it, we'd never have barbecue nachos. Yeah. We never have barbecue enchiladas. We got to think the Earl's sandwich. Yeah, we, exactly. There's <laughs> a lot bread, of things. Meat, meat between two pieces of bread seems like simple, but, but yeah. You know, and, and I learned that my grandfather, uh, when I was a, a kid, I can remember him. If my grandmother was working late or for some reason uh, wasn't there, he would make stews. Mm-hmm. And his, his method of making stew was to open the refrigerator and go, oh, here's some leftover corn. Here's some green beans. Here's some, and he just put it all in. Oh, here's some leftover rabbit. Mm-hmm. And he just put it all in a big pot and let it simmer. And to him, that was eating like a king. Mom always called it Tennessee goulash. Yeah. It wasn't Hungarian or anything, yeah. but it was. she always called it because it had noodles because yeah. we always had noodles in the cabinet. Yeah. It was a Tennessee goulash. Granddaddy would say, oh, I think the refrigerator needs to be cleaned out. And he'd just start <laughs> dumping stuff in a pot. You know, but you know that's what when you came from the depression era you yeah. know that's you were perfectly fine with that and like i said he felt like he was eating a king all right that's going to do it give me we're at the end of another show we uh, just came up with a lot of topics for the next several weeks we hope folks will come back and listen to us next week yeah we've got man we've got in the next couple of weeks i can't tell you who we've got but we've got some big heavy hitters coming and i cannot wait to talk to them some of the the big heavy hitters in the barbecue and outdoor cooking industry so force thank you for taking this ride with me it's been great so far season two are we about at the halfway point i don't know i don't even count we just start knocking them out i, I know hope, i hope we're not at the halfway point that means we're halfway to the end of the season two and this has been too much fun it's been an outstanding season so far i mean we've just been rolling some of the big names i mean everybody who's won memphis in may yeah uh, just we've just been rolling this year with it so hey cannot wait uh for the rest of this year absolutely that's gonna do it for us for Jimmy Shotwell, I'm Forrest Goodman. Get out there and smoke, grill, or cook something good this weekend. So long, everybody. You can listen to The Rub on the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, and Google Play. You can also hear it Saturday afternoons at 3 on 600 WREC and 92.1 FM. Like The Rub on Facebook. Just search The Rub Podcast. You can also follow the show on Twitter. Just search at The Rub Podcast. The Rub is a production of Memphis Barbecue Supply, Good Media, and 600 WREC and 92.1 FM. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.